In the holy name of Jesus, amen. In the mid-1990s, there was a popular song on the radio. Some of you might remember that. It was by Alanis Morissette, and it was called Ironic. And it was about how life is filled with ironies. And there's basically three forms of irony. Verbal irony, where you say one thing but mean the opposite. Then there is dramatic irony, where something's happening to a character in a story or a movie, unbeknownst to them, but for the audience, they know exactly what's going on. And then lastly, there's situational irony, where something happens that actually has the opposite effect of what was intended. Irony usually signals a difference between the appearance of things and reality. Or to put it another way, things aren't always as they seem. Now why am I talking about irony? It's because it's all over the gospel readings for today. One example of verbal irony is when Jesus describes how he's going to show the glory of the Father by being raised up. Not by the praises of the people. While Jesus says this to bring clarity, it only confuses the people. And then a dramatic irony example is when the Heavenly Father speaks to Jesus. We all know what he's saying. But everybody in the story or the crowd does not. They think it's thunder. And last, situational irony is when Jesus speaks about a grain of wheat. In order for the grain of wheat to come to life, it must die. And if it dies, then more life than its own life will spring forth. And then Jesus relates that to human life. If you love your life, you'll lose it, but if you're willing to let it go, you'll have it. Now, Jesus isn't actually hiding anything from anyone, but through his use of irony, what appears isn't always what it seems. Even the disciples don't quite get it. In verse 16, it says, His disciples did not understand these things at first. Which means, for now, they don't understand it, but there will come a point in time where things will begin to make sense. But for now, Jesus' explanations will confuse, words from heaven will sound like a different language, and losing something is gaining something. Now, last year, we planted six watermelon vines back there. And it was for the summer Sunday school. The summer Sunday school took care of those six watermelon plants. And the plan was to spend the entire summer caring for it so that at the end of the summer we would harvest and eat those watermelons. They needed a little extra time. So once Pastor Chats started in September, our first meeting was to harvest this fruit. Now, 
part of the original plan was for me to prune those vines so that we would have a large water, six wa large watermelons. Unfortunately, I was only able to prune one. And unsure of the amount of watermelon, I had Gretchen Scheel and Val Gady buy watermelons from the grocery store. <laughs> Wednesday afternoon in September, we went out here to harvest our watermelon and eat it. And I had told the children, sorry, we're, we're just not going to have enough watermelon for everybody to cut their own. They were bummed out. But after the first person cut that first watermelon from the one I pruned, another child said, well, can I try it? And I said, okay, well, we only, you know, have a certain amount. Cut one, cut another. And Gretchen kept finding more and more and more watermelon. We ended up having enough watermelon for each child to cut one and actually for each family to take one home. Things weren't always as it appeared. Well, of course, there's a lot of irony in this story because I told the children, we're not going to have enough, but we had plenty. Then buying the extra watermelon, rather than being a solution to a problem, ended up becoming a problem. And lastly... There was one character in this story that had no idea what was going on while everybody else did. And that was me. <laughs> what appeared wasn't quite what it seemed. And for me, that was actually good. Rather than being in control of the lesson, it turned out that there was more than I could ever imagined. And that more, for everybody in the lesson, appeared as if I knew exactly what was going on. You see, irony is hard because we want to have a clear word that we can easily understand because if we easily understand it, we can keep it for ourselves and we can be in control of that word. You see, for those in the gospel reading, the use of irony made it difficult to understand which eventually led the crowd to ask Jesus questions. Rather than drawing away from Jesus, they had to draw closer. And that is precisely what Jesus is driving for. His seemingly obscure words and actions aren't meant to drive us away, but rather drive us closer so that we can talk and relate and live in his presence and begin to learn what it means to trust in him and his understanding rather than in ourselves and our way of life. What appears isn't quite what it seems. At first the crowds love Jesus because they believe they know what Jesus is going to do when he rides into Jerusalem. But by the end of the gospel readings, they are confused by what he says and what he does. 
Jesus enters into the scene publicly for all to see and praise, but by the end, he exits hidden for no one to see. But is he retreating or is he actually drawing closer? See, rather than hiding away, Jesus enters into the crowd to hide within. He enters into the crowd so that his life would be hidden in them and in each one of us. For John says, it wasn't until Jesus was glorified, which means it wasn't until he died and rose again that things began to make sense. We begin to see that his death is in fact the life of the world and that our existence will only bring forth real life if we under our, understand ourselves through his death, through his words, and through his actions. What appears isn't quite what it seems. And for us, all of this means drawing closer to the one who's already close. Every part of our lives that we struggle with whether it be the sins we've committed or the tragedies that have happened to us, can only be understood and made sense by placing them at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, our sins are forgiven, and at the foot of the cross, tragedy is encompassed by God's love and given a hopeful future. It is there, when Christ is raised up, that all people, all things, all tragedies, all events in our life will be drawn into life. So this next week, as we turn our gaze from the joy of Palm Sunday to the crucifixion on Good Friday, we are spending this week bringing those things in hopeful anticipation. Bringing those things to Good Friday so that Christ will take them and he will hide them in his death so that they, rather than bringing struggle, confusion, and hurt, will bring forth life. And more life than we can ever imagine. In the holy name of Jesus, Amen.